0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study for everybody who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Wednesday evenings. Now we know that there are many people even in our area and around Omaha, Nebraska, but there are other people around the throughout the country and around the world who really want to get into God's Word. They really want to learn, they want to study. And so we're podcasting these Bible studies every Wednesday evening and every Sunday morning for all of those who cannot be with us in person. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and study with us, study God's word, worship God with us, grow spiritually with us, get to know us and let us get to know you in person. Our Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9:30, followed by worship at 10:30. We come back together at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening for evening worship, and then on Wednesday evenings, in the middle of the week, good time to stop and get our spiritual batteries recharged. We come back together for a Wednesday night Bible classes at 7: thir- I'm sorry, at at 6:30 uh, each Wednesday evening. 6:30 each Wednesday evening. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. But now for those who cannot be with us in person, we're thankful to have the ability and the opportunity and the means to be able to teach God's Word through these podcasts over the medium of the internet on such a widespread basis. And we're thankful for people who listen both near and far and in some cases all around the world. We're thankful for you, and we pray that our efforts to teach God's Word are helping you. We encourage you to tell, well, to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook, friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around, turn their focus in their life around, turn their thinking around start to think about their souls, about their relationship with God, you may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So share these studies with everybody you can all the time and encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures. And they'll also receive what I believe to be a real gem It's a a daily Bible study, only about 13 minutes long each day, so we can fit that into our busy schedules and stay in God's Word every day. And that's called today's Bible class. All of this will automatically go to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, whatever it might be. And so that will be automatic, and it will always be free. So tell everybody you can take advantage of this opportunity for people to get into and to encourage people to get into God's Word on a, on a regular and widespread basis. We're going to get back into our study in 1 John. We're going to finish up chapter 2. As we closed last time, I said I wanted to I wanted to come back to these last two verses. We had studied through verse 27, and verses 28 and 29, they touch on something that I think it's important for us to understand more fully. And so I wanted to stop there instead of rushing through those last two verses at the end of our study last time, and, uh, and then just moving on to chapter 3. I want to focus on what is being addressed here. At least the identity that's being addressed. So John writes in verses 28 and 29 of 1 John chapter 2: And now, little children, abide in him, and when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Well, First, we could say the the just the context, the basic subject of the context of the context is John is encouraging those Christians who, to whom he is writing this letter, and of course, now that would be to us who claim to be Christians, who are striving to live the Christian life. He's saying, live a righteous life, be righteous before God. We could remember what we studied at some length back in chapter 1, where John emphasized that it it takes more than just claiming to be a Christian to really be the Christian that we're supposed to be. He said in verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1, this is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Well, John is saying there, he's using some uh, some metaphorical kind of imagery, and he's talking about God being light, and that is supposed to identify God as being absolutely, totally, completely righteous. And the darkness would be the unrighteousness, the sinfulness that a lot of people live in. Uh, and And so, John is saying, uh, you know, God is, God is totally righteous. And if you want to have fellowship with him, if you want to walk with him, you're going to have to walk in righteousness. But if you're living in sinfulness, then you're not walking in fellowship with God. So if we want to be with God, we've got to live the righteous life, the life that, that abides by his teachings of what godliness and righteousness really are. Now, a whole lot of people, they have their own ideas and concepts of what is okay, what is righteous, what is godly, and so on. Well, they may not think about godliness so much, because a lot of people, they don't really want to think about God that much. But they might think, okay, well, this is righteousness. I'm living a righteous life. Well, they're living in all kinds of sin. Maybe they're living in several different kinds of sinful lifestyles, sexually, immoral, using all kinds of vulgarity on a regular basis, uh, being mean-spirited, rarely, if ever, darkening any church-building door to actually come and worship God, and they virtually never, if ever, open up a Bible and start reading God's Word. Well, see, we need to come to grips. We need to come to reality and understand if we want to walk with God, we need to walk with God, and that will be according to his teachings. We've talked about in Second John, only one short, only one chapter in that short letter. Second uh, John, chapter one, verse nine. John goes on and says, "Whoever transgresses and does not abide in, and that means to live in or live by, the doctrine, which means the teaching of Christ, and don't get me, don't don't." get into that mindset that, well, I believe in Jesus, I just don't necessarily believe I have to live by all of those teachings by Jesus. Now, the two go together. They're inseparable. If you believe in the doctrine, if you're going to live in the doctrine of Christ, you're going to live, that is the teaching of Christ, that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God, our Lord, then you're going to have to live by his teachings as well the instructions, the guidelines, the commandments. But John says whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. If we want to walk with God, we've got to walk or live our lives by his teachings communicated to us in his word. But now going back to chapter 2 in verses 28 and 29, and really I want to focus on that, that first statement of identity that John uses in verse 29 as he is closing out this first chapter, he says, "'Now, little children, abide in him.'" There's that word, abide in, live in him, live in Christ, live in God. And really focusing here on Christ primarily because he says, "'When he appears, "'we may have confidence and not be ashamed "'before him and his coming.'" And Christ is coming back. This time he's coming back to judge mankind. God's going to bring the world, as we know it, to an end at that time, destroying it with fire. And that would be, you know, just kind of a counterpart of when he destroyed it with water in the days of Noah, going back to Genesis chapters 6 and 7. But this time, when he sends Christ back, he's going to send him back in judgment to judge mankind. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and give account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. We're going to have to stand before our Lord on that final day of judgment and give account of how, for, for how we have lived our lives before him while we've been alive here on this earth. Now, that's going to be everybody. Nobody's going to be exempt from that particular day of judgment. We all will stand before him on that day and we all will give account. No escaping, no getting out of it. When you look at Acts chapter 17 and beginning with verse 30, the Apostle Paul wrote, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. Now exactly how we're to understand that, Paul doesn't go into any detail but the next part of his statement here is what we really need to pay attention to but now commands all men everywhere to repent so people who think they can just live their life you know with a with their own free will without submitting to god's will they're mistaken they're mistaken and ultimately if they continue in that kind of a mindset and they're almost certainly going to have to pay the price. Now in verse 31, Paul went on and said, "Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness." Now that's going along with what John wrote back there in 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. He, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So there it is. Paul also notes right there that God has appointed a day on which he will, in righteousness, judge the world through Jesus Christ. No question who he's talking about there is going to be that final judge because he says he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And so there it is. We're all going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to have to give account for how we have lived our lives here in this world. And so we need to not be careless as to how we're living while we're still here in this world. We need to be thoughtful. We need to be prayerful. And we need to study God's word to see how does He want me to live. Now, here's this statement of identity, going back to First John chapter 2 and verse 28. And now little children, little children. Interesting how we're identified, and that is, those who are true followers of God, true Christians, how we're identified as little children. John's writing this to Christians, primarily. Now, certainly non-Christians need to read this because they're going to get great insight into what Christianity really is, into what living faithfully before God and before Christ really means. But now, here he's addressing specifically Christians through this statement of identity, little children. I've taught many times over the years that A whole lot of people are misguided in thinking that we're all God's children. Now, as I've said, I've qualified that for many years by saying, okay, maybe in the very loosest sense of that identity, maybe we can say, okay, we're all God's children in that he created mankind. I mean, so we're all his creation, and we're created in his image with a soul, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. But in the sense that John is laying out there, identifying those Christian readers as little children, if we take that to the most specific frame of reference and identity, we're talking about Christians not everybody, not all of mankind. Think about all of those people who don't even believe in God, and, and then all of those people who would say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus as God's Son and my Lord and Savior. Are they God's little children in the most important and ultimate sense of the term, the word, the identity? When we look at Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, beginning with verse 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is, a mas- though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, now he's addressing Christians here, the churches of Galatia, even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, now notice this, God set forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba father. Therefore, we are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, notice that fifth verse there, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Parents don't adopt their own children. would be parents adopt children whose father or mother are dead or whose father or mother or one of the other have given them up for adoption or maybe abandoned them or maybe just don't want them and so they signed them over to some agency to put them up for adoption you don't adopt your own children but Paul said there, God has adopted us as we became, became Christians. He's adopted us as his children. And then we look also in Romans chapter 8, and beginning with verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So what about those who do not live by the Spirit of God? In other words, they're not living by the teachings of God's word? The text would seem to indicate that they're not sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. There it is again. You don't adopt your own children. You adopt other children who are not your own, and you make them your children through adoption. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Children of God, through adoption. Now, you see, going back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, if we're not walking in the light of righteousness according to the teachings of God's word, we're not walking in fellowship with God. We need to turn to God through Jesus Christ. Those Jews on Pentecost who had rejected their Savior, but then were convicted through that gospel sermon by Peter in Acts chapter 2, that they had crucified their Savior. They had crucified the Messiah, the Son of God, About 3,000 of them on that day were convicted and convinced that they needed to change their life, and they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles in verse 37 of chapter 2, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized into Christ or in the name. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus that you may receive I'm sorry, let me read that again. I'm mixing up different verses in my head all of a sudden here. Let me read it exactly correctly. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They needed to be forgiven. They were sinful. They had rejected the Savior who came to shed his blood on the cross so that they could be forgiven of their sins if they would come to him as their savior, as the prophesied Messiah from Old Testament scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. Well, they needed to turn, they needed to repent, they needed to obey, they needed to become Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And as they did, then they become saved in Christ. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus told the apostles as he was ready to ascend back to heaven, following his resurrection, and then walking upon the earth for another 40 days and presenting himself risen before hundreds and hundreds of individuals, seeing the risen Savior, he told the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to to all creation, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved he who does not believe shall be condemned so when we look at these these statements of identity that paul lays out in romans chapter 8 and galatians chapter 4 he talks about god adopting us if we abide in him if we live in him live in christ then we are adopted children of God. But if we're still living in sin, we're not one of those children of God in that most important sense that John simply addresses in a rather matter-of-fact way because he's writing to Christians here in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28 when he identifies them as little children true children of God. Well, we need to understand how important our relationship with God through Christ is intended to be, how precious it is. And not just emotionally for us individually, but how precious it is in its eternal perspective We need to be children of God. We cannot become children of God except through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We come to God through the gospel of Christ as we're baptized into him for the remission of our sins. And at that point, we enter into salvation in Christ. And God makes his home with us. And so does Christ. John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. Well, children of God, don't just read over that and not give it any thought. Understand the preciousness and the depth of that identity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much, and thank you for making the way for us to be blessed by being adopted by you and made your children in the most important sense that we can be children through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Praise, glory, honor. Thanks be to you, Father and help us to always see and keep in our minds the preciousness of that relationship with you, Father, and to want to be faithful children of you. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.